Today on Blue 58, it was a foregone conclusion that the Packers were going to take a receiver in last spring's draft. And then the draft came and went with no receivers coming off the board. So what became of that position group in 2020 and where does it stand going forward? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. And it is all wide receivers all the time today. A lot of receivers played for the Packers in 2020. Nine different players took snaps at receiver for the Packers, and if you throw Devin Funchess in there, that's quite a list of names that we got to get to. Just looking at the group as a whole, I think you could say that three of them consistently played at a level that you would expect from an NFL-caliber starter. Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Alan Lazard. I think if you are looking to argue still that they should have taken a receiver at some point in the draft, that is your argument right there. They really only had three NFL-caliber receivers on the roster. Last spring, we talked about the different kinds of draft picks you can make. Basically broke it down into three different categories. True needs, general backfill, and priority backfill. True needs are obvious. There are positions where you got to have somebody right now. So you take somebody. And this happens all the time in the NFL draft. Every NFL team pretends that it doesn't, but it happens to everybody. You need a linebacker, you pick a linebacker. You need a lineman, you pick a lineman. It's not that big a deal to, to pick somebody because you need them on your team. Then there's general backfill. These are your... Selections for roster spots, roster groups, position groups that just need a lot of bodies. Defensive linemen, defensive backs, offensive linemen. you got to have a bunch of guys to play those positions. You need probably eight offensive linemen at least to make it through an NFL season. Maybe more, depending how your season goes. So it makes sense to constantly be picking offensive linemen or defensive linemen. And I think receiver generally falls into that category. you got to be filling the pipeline a little bit. And then priority backfill Picks are picks where you can see that a need is going to be coming, right? You don't have anybody in the pipeline to fill an imminent vacancy there, and you're going to need help sooner than later. The more I think about it, the more that I think wide receiver was in this last category. It wasn't that the Packers desperately needed a receiver heading into the 2020 season. It's that sooner or later, they're going to need somebody to to step up. Somebody other than the guys that they had ready to go, day one. And as the season wore on, there were opportunities for guys to step up, and they really didn't have anybody to do it. You need a lot of bodies to get through an NFL season, and the Packers didn't really add any at receiver, and they got pretty thin there a couple times as a result. Put it to you a different way. Three of the six receivers that played more than 100 snaps in 2020 were Equinemius St. Brown, Malik Taylor, and Darius Shepard. If you had your absolute preference, would any of those guys be playing significant snaps on your football team? Just be honest. No, they probably wouldn't. So the Packers will probably be looking to upgrade receiver again. The flip side to all of this is that if you look at how the Packers offense worked last year and how it's intended to work in general, You can get by without dumping a ton of resources into the receiver position. Just scheming guys open so heavily, as Matt LaFleur did, you are able to 
get by with lower quality receivers. But still, it would be good to have your number four guy be somebody other than Equinemius St. Brown, Malik Taylor, and Darius Shepard. And I say that as a pretty big Equinemius St. Brown fan. I don't think it's all one or the other here. I don't think it's the Packers absolutely should have taken a wide receiver or no, their receivers were totally fine. There were depth issues at receiver this year. There were foreseeable depth issues at receiver this year that they could have addressed. But by and large, the position group was pretty okay. Talking about each of these receivers individually shines a little bit more light on that. We're going to go to, go in order of snaps played for this position group, starting with the guy who led the team in snaps at wide receiver, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Surprise, he led the team in snaps at receiver. A few more than Devontae Adams, who was also out for a couple games, but uh, MVS had 793 snaps to Adams' 774. The good for MVS was really obvious this year. Big plays coming in bunches. 13 explosive plays in 2020, playing essentially a part-time role. Up from nine in 2019. Four touchdowns of 45 yards or more. A lot to like. The bad, consistency. Putting it in a nutshell, there were 10 games in which Marquez Valdez-Scantling had four or more targets. He caught 50% or fewer of those targets in six of those 10 games. As good as it was when he caught the ball, he didn't catch the ball as often as you would have liked. I'm not really sure why it worked out this way for MBS. I don't know what his headspace is like. I don't pretend to play a psychologist on the radio or anywhere else. But I think there there could be a couple things at play here. First, I think it's very probable that there is more of a learning curve to receiver than people are willing to admit. Receiver seems like it should be a plug-and-play sort of position. It really isn't. I think that should be abundantly clear. It takes some time to develop, and Devontae Adams is a great example of what can happen to teams who are patient with their young receivers. And I guess MVS is kind of a microcosm of that. He has come along in a big way over the past year or so. If we're sitting here a year ago talking about MVS, I, I don't think anybody feels quite as positive at all about him. Sure, it wasn't great at times, but he had a, by and large, fairly successful 2020. Maybe it was just a case of the yips there for a while, or maybe the entire season. Maybe he hasn't shaken it yet. Sometimes that just happens to athletes. You just forget to do the basic things that you're supposed to be able to do in your sleep, and nobody really can understand why. Again, I don't know if that's what's up with him, uh, if he's just inconsistent in that way or whatever. But we don't have to know why. We can sit here and say, yeah, it just wasn't as consistent as it probably could have been. And I think uh, he would probably agree with you. I don't think it's, you you don't have to be condemning him as a person to say, yeah, it could have been better last year. Heck, my 2019 with the power sweep is not as good as I thought it was, uh, probably could have been. 2020 was a lot better. Uh, 2019, there were a lot of things out of my control. 2020 was a lot better. Things happen like that. And maybe that's just something we need to always be taking into account as fans. Devontae Adams is next up. 
774 snaps, did miss a few games this year, but really, what complaints can you have about Devontae Adams? I mean, everything was good, very little was bad, and if you want to talk bad, it really just comes down to individual plays. The one that sticks with me, unfortunately, is the the drop pass in the end zone in the, in the NFC Championship game. Sure, it was a little bit off target, sure, it was a high degree of difficulty, it also hit him in the hands in the end zone, and that is probably going to haunt us and him for a long, long time. Really don't have a lot to say about Devontae Adams. What do you want to say? He was great. Uh, he's probably going to be in Green Bay for a long time if if they do what everybody seems to think they're going to do and and restructure um, his contract to stretch things out a little bit further, break down that, that cap space a little bit further or, or spread out his cap impact a little bit further. He's going to be around for a while, and I think he has the kind of game that is going to age really, really well. He's not tied to overwhelming athleticism. He's getting more and more of a sense, even now, well into his career, of of what things are, or what relationships there are on the football field, how different coverages work together, how to pick up spots in the zone. He's developing or has developed that connection with Aaron Rodgers that Jordy Nelson had that almost preternatural collection or connection where they just seem to know everything the other person is going to do. What else do you want to say about Devontae Adams? He's really, really good, and I expect him to be really good for a long time. Alan Lazard uh, played just over 400 snaps for the Packers in 2020. If you want to talk about the good with Alan Lazard, I think you start by calling him probably the most versatile receiver on the Packers. He can play outside, he can play in the slot, and he can block like a really, really good blocking tight end. Here's a stat for you with the, or with Alan Lazard. The Packers had three players that Pro Football Focus graded at a 75 or higher in run blocking, in 200 or more run blocking snaps. So it's guys who have run blocked or been run blocking a lot and doing it at a high level. Those three players on the Packers were David Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley, and Alan Lazard. That's right, Alan Lazard grades basically like an offensive lineman when it comes to his run blocking. Nobody else on the team can duplicate that. Nobody else in the league really blocks the same way that Alan Lazard does. I mean, how often do you see a wide receiver start lined up out wide, motion in to an H-back sort of position and block like an actual tight end. It just doesn't happen that often. And it's really cool to see. It's a joy to watch just because it's so different. The bad for Lazard is pretty obvious here too. Injuries derailed his season. There's really no other way to no other way to put it. He was really never the same after that core muscle injury, which is not at all surprising. I think we said at the time that we were probably going to hear at some point that he was not even 100% when he was back on the field. We we haven't really heard from him yet on that, but I wouldn't be surprised if around training camp or something, something like that comes like comes out that he just, yeah, I wasn't back to 100% pushed to get back, get back in the field because I wanted to be out there with my teammates or whatever, whatever athlete speak he wants to say. And, you know, can't blame him for that. More power to him. But I'd be very intrigued to see what it would have come for him in a full season because it was really, really going well there for him for a while. Equinemia St. Brown. Uh, played the next most snaps for Packers as, as far as wide receivers go. It wasn't a lot for him this year uh, as he made his way back from a pretty serious ankle injury. In fact, after we go go past Alan Lazard, no other receiver played more than 200 snaps for the Packers in 2020. You can, I guess, uh, throw 
Tyler Irvin in there, but even he only played 142 snaps on offense. So we've got Equinemius St. Brown at 196 snaps. What is the good for him in 2020? The good is he made it back. Uh, That was a serious injury he sustained last year. Uh, He made it all the way back and played in some games, even had a couple nice plays uh, at a couple moments throughout the season. The bad is that he really didn't do much, and I'm really not sure why it worked out that way for him. Um, It could be that he's just not a very good player. It could be that he's just not as good of a run blocker as Alan Lazard because it seems like they should be playing similar roles or they have broadly similar skill sets. Uh, I think there's a lot of overlap there. But for whatever reason, Equinemius St. Brown doesn't get it done the same way some of the other receivers do. Now, having just said that Alan Lazard is probably the single most versatile receiver on the Packers, that probably should mitigate the criticism of Equinemius St. Brown a little bit. If the criticism is he's not as good a, a run blocker as Alan Lazard, well, okay then. Basically, nobody on the Packers is other than an offensive lineman on a regular basis. I mean, among pass catchers, not even Mercedes Lewis was as good as Alan Lazard. Now, they're probably blocking slightly different people, but still, you get what I'm saying. Maybe EQ gets one more year, and he's going to be fairly affordable, For so why not give him a normal standard training camp coming off a full season of being relatively healthy? I don't see any downside with bringing him back into training camp next year. Malik Taylor played the next most snaps. He is up in the 160s. The good for him is he was able to get on the field a bunch when Alan Lazard was out. The bad is that he really only played when Alan Lazard was out. Of his 166 snaps on offense, 126 came when Alan Lazard was out. Other than that, he was pretty much a kick coverage, kick return guy only. Kind of a weird season. Packers thought he was good enough to have a round, but only consistently as a special teams guy He barely never played when they had literally any other options at receiver, which is a little bit odd to me. Um, If you're going to keep him around, why not play him? But they've made odd decisions like that at receiver in the past. Just look at the Ryan Grant saga. Still weird. Sign him for like an entire season and he just never plays. Never going to get over that. It's weird. Uh, Darius Shepard played the next most snaps among receivers. Remember Darius Shepard? Remember his fumble against the Colts? Now you do. The good was pretty minimal for Shepard. I like taking a swing at a different body type here, more of a traditional slot type, littler guy, more lateral quickness than long speed. The bad, just a lot of time and effort burned on a guy who is very clearly not very good. And this is not a Darius Shepard problem. This is an organizational problem. Why are you spending weeks and weeks and weeks on this guy that is very clearly pretty limited not a dynamic returner. In fact, for a long while, he was quite literally the worst punt returner in Packers history. No one had produced fewer yards than Darius Shepard as a returner. Negative nine to his name for his career for a while. No one worse than that, ever, in Packers history. And you're just going to keep sticking him back there and hoping for a different result. Just kind of odd. And you almost feel a little bit bad for a guy who keeps getting put in a bad position. And uh, just, I guess people are hoping that something different happens. Next up, we're getting pretty far down here because Tavon Austin had just 30 snaps on offense for the Packers in 2020. Look, the Packers tried, and that was good. Uh, The bad was it didn't work out. And it was a pretty small role, so it's really low damage that it didn't work out. But 
he wasn't as dynamic for whatever reason as Tyler Irvin in that little motion slot receiver type role. He wasn't a terribly impactful punt returner, uh, and he fumbled once on a punt return. Worth a shot, didn't work out. There's Tavon Austin in 2020. Jawan Winfrey, the next two receivers, have 10 snaps on offense between them. Jawan Winfrey had eight. And the good for him is that he's a big, nice testing prospect. Six foot three, 215 pounds, according to Pro Football Reference. I see other sites have him listed as more like six foot one, but still, nice height, weight, speed prospect. The bad is that's all we've got to go on so far. He only played eight snaps. Um, hey, it's worth a shot. Nice, big, physical guy. Likes to get involved in the run game. You can work with something like that. Finally, the hero of last offseason, rounding out the Packers wide receivers in 2020, Reggie Bagleton. All of two snaps on offense. Which of Reggie Bagleton's 2020 snaps were your favorite? Look, uh, nice size. Maybe just needed a little time. I think next season, if he gets another crack in training camp, and it sounds like he's going to, we might get a little bit better idea what he can really do. Uh, But he didn't get much of a shot at all in 2020. And given that there were opportunities there with Alan Lazard out, it's a little bit mystifying as to why he didn't get more of a shot. Maybe that's your answer right there. Next up, we've got a lot of questions from readers and listeners about wide receivers. All of these questions come from our private Discord server, and you can access that Discord server if you are a Patreon supporter. Patreon.com slash ThePowerSweep recently redid our Patreon page. You have more options for supporting the Power Sweep there. Just wanted to give you some different tiers at which you can support the Power Sweep and Blue 58. All of them get you the same rewards. Access to our private Discord server. Bonus content at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. 25% off lifetime at our Teespring store. And you get to just have fun hanging out with us. And you, most importantly, get to help us keep this entire operation ad-free and running because we are committed to never having ads ever on a Blue 58 podcast or on thepowersweep.com. And we need your support to help do that. So head to patreon.com slash thepowersweep and uh, help us keep this, this whole operation going. And you'll get access to some pretty cool stuff if you do, including our Discord server, from which these questions have emerged. Serb Packer asks, will the departure of Aaron Jones and his small but nevertheless existing receiving skills impact the wide receiver position? I'm going to say no on Aaron Jones, because although the Packers do run him or do play him or have played him a little bit more in a receiver-type role recently, I really don't think that was the strength of his game to the extent that it took away from wide receivers. However, our next question does potentially shed a little bit more light on that situation because Patrick asks, if we draft a wide receiver or find one in free agency, do you think Gutekunst will lean toward his big body plus blocker tendency, or will he try to find a smaller, shifty, speedy type talent to fill a role we don't really have? So I've kind of been harping on this for a couple of years now. And I think if you look at the receivers on the Packers roster, they all basically fall into one body type. Brian Gutekunst likes tall, thick receivers because he wants them to block in the run game and be a mismatch problem 
in the passing game. And that is, that is true. That is one way to create a mismatch. But I wish that the Packers would diversify a little bit more. I wish they tried to attack defenses in a little bit different ways instead of just wave after wave of tall, big, strong guys. And look, it's worked out for them. Why not try to keep doing it? But sure, but certainly you could boost your attack by having some more options there. I think Gutekunst is going to stick with that type unless he has to. I don't think he's going to be looking to diversify his body types, but I think we may in a situation we may be in a situation where he's going to almost have to try something different. Because there is a role for that slot type motion guy in this offense. That's what Mr. Serb Packer was getting at, asking about Aaron Jones's uh, Aaron Jones being gone. So think for a second, if Aaron Jones is gone, if Tyler Irvin is probably gone, if Tavon Austin is gone, who fills that role in the offense? Who is running that jet motion all the time? They've tried it a little bit with Marquez Valdez-Scanling, but they don't seem to like to do that with him regularly. So if that is a role that you want in your offense, and if you're trying to fill that role, maybe now is the time to go and get someone who can do that role specifically. So how do you fill that role? JJ asks a question about that. He asks, or she, I guess I don't know if JJ is a, is a guy or a girl. Doesn't matter. Uh, JJ asks, should the Packers take the 2018 approach and draft multiple late-round wide receivers or take the traditional approach of spending a second-round pick on a single wide receiver? I think given what the Packers have at receiver, which is three guys they feel pretty good about and some other guys that they're at least familiar with, I think what you're doing in this situation is buying premium here and then shopping for bargains to fill roles. Take some flyers on some good testing prospects if you can get them in undrafted free agency. The Packers need more quality than they need quantity. I think given how they use their receivers you're probably looking for smaller upgrades or fewer upgrades, I should say, and then just taking some flyers on some guys and seeing what you get. So buy premium and then shop for bargains to fill those other roles. Speaking of free agency, Christina asks, is Marvin Jones a good free agent option? Marvin Jones, most recently of the Detroit Lions, uh, is a free agent now, and I like him a lot. Price notwithstanding, I think he'd be a great sidekick for Devontae Adams. Price could be a factor because, according to Marvin Jones' own words, he wants to play for a contender and get money if possible. And look, to that I say, me too. And also, it's good to want things. I would also like to make more money and play for a contender if I could, but we don't always get what we want. But to the question of Jones in particular, I like him. He's been productive. He's been reasonably healthy the past couple years. He's a good downfield threat. There's a lot to like there. So if you can get him at a reasonable price, why not? I think that's the sort of receiver the Packers should probably be pursuing in free agency. Speaking of free agent wide receivers, our last question comes from Carl. He asks, is Devin Funches expected to be gone? I don't get a firm impression one way or another, but I am leaning towards him heading out. The Packers can save about a million dollars against their cap in 2021, with him gone and for what the role would be for him in the offense, I think just spend the money elsewhere. He's not going to be the number two receiver. He's not going to be the number three receiver. That's going to be Devontae or that's going to be 
Alan Lazard, or Marquez Valdez-Scantling in some order. Adams is the undisputed lead dog in this offense. It's Lazard and MBS after that. So what are you looking for? $2.5 million against the cap for your number four receiver. I think I'd rather take a, a swing on a bunch of options than just one guy at that point, especially considering there is some redundancy with him in the offense. He seems like another version of Alan Lazard. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if they want to keep him, though. I would just lean towards them probably looking to spend that money elsewhere. If you have questions, Discord's one of the best places you can ask them. Again, you will have access to that Discord server if you become a Patreon supporter. Patreon.com slash ThePowerSweep. That is all I've got for you in this episode. Do appreciate you listening and do appreciate you always taking the time to join us here on every episode of uh, Blue 58. If you enjoyed this episode and think somebody else would do the same, go ahead and share it with them. That's how we're going to continue to grow this conversation we're having around the Packers and ultimately help everybody, me included, uh, become a smarter Packers fan. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.